You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, which is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, which is South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. With Andre Besson today, and Andre, you sent me an interesting one because you um, decided the topic of the day was decarbonisation of the world, an opportunity for SA and SA investors. Okay, just briefly explain for Luddites like myself what decarbonation is. Yes, uh, Lindsay, thanks for the introduction. So basically, decarbonisation is that we should reduce our emissions or our carbon dioxide emissions on a global scale. So. The world has uh, woken up to the fact that we should be good stewards of the environment and we shouldn't just um, continue polluting the air and, and uh, increasing the global climate. So it's, um, I think especially with the whole COVID thing, we, we realized that we're more vulnerable that, than we would have thought. And um, so Europe and, and the US and China has basically committed to a net zero um, carbon uh, targets by for, for Europe and US by 2050 and China by 2060. Now the reason, um, so so basically there's there's all different ways that you can reduce your uh, your carbon footprint to uh, put it more um, in, in another way, um, and we can un- unpack that a bit and, and say uh, what kind of opportunities and risk. Uh, would there be for a South African investor and also for, for our government? Well, let's have a look at the, the country first, if we can, Andre, because the first question that I would ask is, is it appropriate for a country like South Africa, which is still sort of in between being a developed and a less developed nation? So is decarbonization correct at our, our stage of the economic cycle, the macroeconomic cycle, if you see what I mean? Yes, yeah, so, so basically... Um South Africa is a, is a small fish in a bigger pond. Uh, so if we talk about capital markets, we're like 0.4% of the 100%, which would be the globe. But if you talk about the economic size of Africa, South Africa, it's, it's much smaller. So if you look at China and the U.S. combined, they're by far the biggest um, center of carbon emissions, if I can say it like that. Yes. And the, the fact that Biden has um, basically made a U-turn and, and uh, have, have the U.S. Um, Rejoin the Paris Agreement, which Trump exited, which is the one thing. And the, and the second one is that, that China, which would have surprised a lot of people, have also joined the act and said by 2060 they want to be net, net um, zero for carbon emissions. So South Africa would make a very small impact globally if you just talk about our carbon emissions, but it makes a big difference if the whole world is moving that way. Um, the one scenario that might play out is that uh, people would be starting to get uh, carbon taxes. So, for instance, you get on a plane, uh, you pay a ticket, and you pay uh, taxes, normal taxes, and, and also they, they add a, a carbon tax onto that, which certain comment- commentators said might be as much as the ticket itself. So if, we, if that would be something that's starting to happen on a global scale, then the other South Africa will pay a very high carbon tax uh, compared to our trading partners because – our whole energy system is basically like ESCOM, and that's from from coal, um, which is very high in, in carbon emissions. So even if you don't burn coal or stuff like that, and even if your whole um, uh, operation is very uh, environmentally friendly, you're still part of the South African energy system, which is 
mainly driven by ESCOM. Um, yeah. I think that people that haven't heard what you've just said or don't uh, share the same views as you would say, well, it's very, very simple. So all South Africa has to do is get rid of ESCOM and its coal-fired plants and uh, install wind farms and solar farms mm. in the Karoo. And it, it's all very simple. But the transition is, is a big one, especially given the tens of billions that have been spent on the two new um, ESCOM power stations. So it's not that easy, is it, for the government? It's a mm. difficult juggling act. Yeah, yeah, so that's a really big one. Uh, even if we have the political will, um, then just the capacity to build all of that to 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 uh, do a transition from from a very dependent economy that's still dependent on ESCOM and, and move to more to solar and wind, which is possible, but it will take a lot of effort. It will take political will because uh, some people um, might lose their job in the short term. Um, but in the long run, we can also... If you manufacture some of the, those parts in South Africa, not just import uh, the input material, then it, it can also be positive on the other side for, for job creation. But the, the point I want to make is um, it's a really big uh, effort to change from from coal to, to solar and, and to wind um, or hydrogen, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, it really is, especially when coal is so entrenched in the South African energy transmission system and infrastructure. Okay, so that's a that's a difficult one, but I think rather than close things down and start things up, which is obviously impossible, there is there going to be a sort of slow process, and I think that that process, given the yeah. natural resources that South Africa has, is absolutely essential. I mean, if the United Kingdom on one day, I think two years ago, can get all its energy needs from renewable sources like wind and solar, then South Africa can definitely do it because uh, for obvious reasons now then uh, what about the opportunity for investors there must be funds out there that are eating up these companies yeah so, so basically it's fascinating for me how the global economy works it's really like an ecosystem on one side there's a plus and on the other side there's a minus but the bottom line is if you um, start a fire you start so much more, more stuff in if you're part of an ecosystem so my brain there's a lot of triggers happening when you ask a question like that. But basically, um, it, it comes down to if, let's take an example for electric vehicles. So if, you, if you're going to stop uh, the, in, the, the in, uh, internal combustion engine, which would be petrol and diesel, move to electric, um, to batteries, obviously you're going to, there's, there's less carbon emissions in that transition. Um, so for South Africa, that's important because copper, you need more, four times more copper in a, in a ice, uh, in a, in a, in a EV vehicle than an ice one, um, like a normal combustion one. But if you look at platinum, you use three to four grams of platinum in a, in a petrol car, uh, six, uh, around seven or eight in a diesel car. And then if you, if you go to the, the car that Elon Musk built, um, I'm talking under correction, but, but as I understand that they, they don't need, platinum in that but if you go to a hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cells if you if you want to drive your electric car with that then you need like 35 or more grams of, of platinum in that car yes so if you look at our platinum miners have done phenomenally well but if you look at the pgm basket um it's basically a run in rhodium and palladium that that has pushed up the prices platinum has been kind of subdued and all of our platinum miners they make the most of the, the, the biggest chunk of the, of the portfolio is platinum. So we're quite excited about the long-term prospects for platinum. But, um, and then copper, there's some of the, our big diversified miners, which has great stakes in, in copper. So if you're going to do more stuff 
or the electrification of, of a lot of stuff, whether you drive them or use them, they need a lot more copper. If you're going to change grids from, uh, to, to accommodate solar and, 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 uh, like wind energy, you need a lot of, a lot more copper. You need other stuff for, for batteries like lithium and, and nickel. So the, the point I want to make is there's a big long-term tailwind for resources, but now I want to just, throw in a bit of caution that people shouldn't jump on the bag wagon and say we're going to just buy resources and platinum stocks and, and we're going to chase um, a bull market or a super cycle, super commodity super cycle because my um, our MD has written a piece on this recently which says just, just be aware that the previous commodity super cycle was China growing like north of 11% and they used to be a really industrialized economy. Well, now they're moving towards a services economy they're still building a lot of roads and stuff, which yeah. need also um, iron ore. And and uh, but the point I want to make is they're moving towards a services economy, so we'll, they will build less than in the in the past. So the long-term tailwind is more a, a a long-term greener economy, which needs more platinum, which needs more uh, diversified kind of miners. And then the flip side of the coin. Just before just you go on, just, just before you go and you're talking about the China going from a manufacturing, a production led economy to a services led economy. On the other hand, that may be well be countered by what happened at G7 this weekend, where the, uh, the G7 yeah. industrialized nations said, right, we're going to take on the Belt and Road Initiative. And uh, Mr. Yeah. Biden and the six trillion infrastructure spend, which if it goes through, six trillion is a lot of money. And South African producers yeah. of commodities will undoubtedly benefit from that, whether it be directly exporting to the United States or just benefiting from the high prices. Yeah, so there's three stories. China will start, continue to build roads and, and, and bridges, etc. They don't like to print money as much as the US. They want to build stuff. The second one is that Biden, with a bit of a more Democrat social, socialist angle, say, say, says let, let's throw in fiscal stimulus. Let's throw in a lot of other stuff from government side to, to, to grow ourselves out of a mess. And the third one is the whole long-term greener economy, decarbonization of the world. So those three themes play in, and you, you're 100% correct in saying that Biden, um, his way to, to, to counter China is different than Trump. Trump will just fight them straight on. He will make friends with his allies and says, let's, this is, there's economic threat. China are going to surpass the US and, and let's, let's gonna, we're gonna counter them. Um, so everything won't be just in a straight line. There's, there's always um, things to look out for. Okay, let's get back to the nitty-gritty now and uh, the, the semantics of this. If you are an investor and you want to take advantage of the trends that you see playing out at, at Brent mm. Wealth, are there funds that you can, uh, it can, uh, can access that uh, share your views? Yeah, so, so short term, there's a big demand for resources just for um, – so the commodity price has been sky high, more than 100% increase over the past 12 months. Um, but the resource stocks haven't risen that much. So there's still a long term, like, like you can still buy them in decent levels. But, um, the, the trade surplus is so high that there's so much more exports than imports just because of these mining companies that earn more money. So the long term or the short term effect of that is there's a bigger demand for rands. Not because of our economy doing better, but just because of the higher commodity price. And that has been strengthening the rain while the, the dollar has been weakening because offshore guys are more at ease because the world seems to get, be getting 
back to some sort of normality. That creates a stronger rand, and we believe at these levels of the rand, uh, you would rather buy offshore equities with a strong rand like this, which the rand you can never kind of like time perfectly, but below 14 is a great time to, to increase your offshore exposure if you want to. So that's nothing to do with the resources story. Then if you, if you want to have some South African stock exposure, we prefer funds that, that pick some of the diversified miners and PGM guys. And, and, um, so, and you buy them at a, they're, they're also rand edge shares. So they earn offshore currency. So if the rand would depreciate long term, it would benefit them. But just bear in mind that resources is incredibly cyclical. So there's one or two funds that, that is pure commodity play. Then there's a more of the balanced funds. Um, that can move in and out of resources and all, also hold one or two other counters. Yes. Then there's the, the whole fourth industrial revo- revolution, clean energy kind of, um, companies that, um, also benefit from newer technologies. So not only the resources guys, but, um, like solar or good exper- uh, uh, example of this is Nextera. It is one of the biggest clean energy companies in, in the U.S. So you have funds buying into these kind of stocks. We prefer a more diversified approach because a lot of these are up-and-coming companies. It's not like you're buying a Nestle or a L'Oreal, which is an existing steady-eddy established business. But there must be customers so we, of yours. There must be clients of yours that don't want to avoid risk. They actually want to take on risk. So there must be some sort yeah. of uh, f- facility where, in, say, instead of going for the diversified miners, which are, let's face it, old school, but still very relevant, uh, going for yeah. the clean energy companies. I mean, some of them will fall by the wayside uh, and others will, will uh, prevail and even so, uh, proliferate. So uh, I think there's a room, room for both, don't you? Yeah, there is definitely room for both. And now you can you can flip the coin and say, okay, Shell, for instance, Royal Dutch Shell, um, said, okay, we realize we can't be the old school oil company. It's not an investable case long term, 50 years from now. So they're moving towards the clean energy stuff. BP take a, has taken a really more aggressive uh, policy shift. Um, so if you're investing in those old school stocks, they might become relevant because they realize the wind is blowing in another direction. We believe to identify themes in the long run, one of them is this, this whole decarbonizing theme, yes. but you should not throw out uh, a good old school diversified approach to your funds, which says like, let's invest in quality co- companies, um, which have proven themselves over time and not just run after the next big theme. And that's why I, why I wanted to talk about this carbonization. People will read about uh, clean energy. They will read about um, possible commodity super cycle. Is it a super cycle or not? X, Y, Z. But a good uh, principled approach to your funds or portfolio will still remain uh, valid. And the bigger risk for me is is uh, this whole U.S. inflation thing, the printing of money, etc., if you own companies that has bargaining power, that has low leverage, low debt, they, and the inflation does pick up, which people, they don't know if it's going to happen or not, and the Fed needs to raise interest rates, then your company needs to service that debt, and it needs to be able to ask the end client, listen, you need to pay more. And if you if you have an established portfolio, established uh, companies that can raise that has bargaining power, you, you're actually in a in a good pound seat uh, situation. 
Andre, I can hear you're very passionate about this subject, and, and well done, and I think it is the future, and if you get it right, then I think you get it very, very right indeed. Andre Besson is from Brenthouse Wealth, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthouse Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.